Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast, Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast, and the Catholic Combine, the pastor of St. Cecilia Catholic Church in Beaverton, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now, today's podcast. I'm reading a book right now. It's called the Gulag Archipelago, and what it's about is the, the author, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he's a Russian who was arrested and held in the gulags in the Soviet Union uh, for several decades, and he ended up writing this book after he got out and then published it, and it became this international bestseller because much of the atrocities that were happening under the communist regime, regime of the Soviet Union was being hid by the public, and this really just exposed all that. Uh, in the process of this, uh, it became well known that tens of millions of people were arrested during this time. And the first book that he wrote was between 1918 and 1952. And the estimate is that somewhere around 20 million people were arrested, and about 10% of those who were arrested died under the oppression of the Soviet state at the time. And I want to read you a, just a, a section of that book because I think it really does uh, speak to us as spiritual people, as Catholics, as people who are looking at the season of Lent and trying to learn something about the example that we see in Jesus. So this, uh, this part of the book that I'm reading actually is response of his when he was trying to uh, figure out, well, how do people respond when they're falsely accused, when they're arrested and they're interrogated? And uh, they're just trying to figure out some way uh, to prove their innocence or to get out from under whatever accusations might come their way, uh, not knowing if it's even possible. And so this was his response to that. He says, how can you stand your ground when you are weak and sensitive to pain and people you love are still alive and you are unprepared? What do you need to make you stronger than the interrogator and the whole trap? From the moment you go to prison, you must put your cozy past firmly behind you. At the very threshold, you must say to yourself, my life is over, a little early to be sure, but there is nothing to be done about it. I shall never return to freedom I am condemned to die, now or a little later. But later on, in truth, it will be a little harder, so the sooner the better. I no longer have any property whatsoever. For me, those I love have died, and for them I have died. From today on, my body is useless and alien to me. Only my spirit and my conscience remain precious and important to me. Confronted by such a prisoner, the interrogator will tremble. Only the man who has renounced everything can win that victory. Jesus came into the world for one specific purpose, and primarily that was to follow the will of the Father. And he was single-mindedly set to accomplish that goal. And he knew where that would lead, that that was going to lead to the cross. It was going to lead to his death, and that would be the instrument of our salvation. So Jesus went willingly, but he knew what he was undertaking was going to be a huge sacrifice, a sacrifice where he had to abandon everything for the will of the Father. 
And so here we have Jesus right after his baptism that he goes out into the desert to prepare for his earthly ministry. And as he's preparing himself in prayer, he's being tempted by the devil. And the devil is, the devil is tempting him in very specific ways. So the first thing he does is after all this fasting and Jesus being hungry, he says, well, you're the son of God. You can change those stones into loaves of bread. And what he's getting at is you don't need to make sacrifice. You don't need to put your life at the service of God. Live for the things of this world. Have all the bread and food that you want. Live for the thrills and pleasure and minimize the sacrifice. And then that will be something that maybe is a different way for you, Jesus. And of course, Jesus knows that that's not the will of the Father, so he rejects that temptation from the devil. The next one, the devil brings him up to the high point of the temple, and he says, you know, jump off, because if you do, God has to save you. And then he can prove that you're really the Son of God. Well, again, this was a temptation because uh, it wasn't about Jesus trying to make the Father prove himself to him. It was the opposite. Jesus came to this earth, to offer himself to the Father and to the will of the Father. And so again, this is just another example that uh, Jesus was able to overcome the temptation of the devil because his life was not about himself. His life was offering himself to the Father and for the sake of our salvation. And it's especially crude too that you'll notice that the devil quotes scripture. So just because someone throws out scripture doesn't mean that they're quoting it correctly. We might want to have a little bit of a caution for that, but just imagine, for example, if, if the devil was doing something with the Eucharist or the Scripture. It is really kind of a, a troubling thing there. All right, the third temptation that we have. So Satan takes him up on a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth, and he says, Jesus, if this is your goal, then I will just give you all these kingdoms of the earth, and you won't have to do what you know you have to do. It'll be the easy way. It'll be the way where, yeah, maybe you're not quite following what God the Father wants you to do, but just bow down and worship me, and, and we can make this happen. This was trying to get Jesus to compromise his truth, his gospel, and in particular, the commandment to only bring about whatever we have to God alone. And so all of this was, was a real temptation, but Jesus because he's the son of God and because he's divine, uh, that he didn't fall for those traps of the devil. He was single-heartedly and single-mindedly focused on fulfilling the will of the Father, knowing that he has to abandon everything else in order to do that. He knows it will lead to the cross, but he also knows it will bring about the resurrection and our salvation. And thanks be to God for us that Jesus followed the path of the Father. Now, this, of course, is a good lesson for us. Because those temptations are not just temptations for Jesus. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been in the, in the Bible. They're temptations also for us because we can be tempted to live for the things of this world. You know, that's what life's about. You know, you only live once, so get out there and enjoy it. It's all about the pleasure. Minimize the sacrifice. Minimize the pain. And live for yourself. But this is not what we're called to. In a way similar to God, that we are called to live the gospel according to the will of the Father, with the strength that we get in the Spirit and the example that we see in our Lord. And so we uh, do have to be aware of these temptations and to be able to make sure that we can abandon all things and everything to follow God's path for ourselves in this life. The second temptation we have
is to try to use God. You know, it's, it's not about us following God. It's not about us worshiping God. It's about what he does for us. You know, God, you know, I'm going to ask for something, and if you don't give me what I want, then maybe I won't believe in you, or maybe I'll, I'll just decide that I'm going to do something different, or maybe I'm just not going to listen to you, or I'm not going to sacrifice for your sake, because that consumer mentality that we have is, is very dangerous, because God is God and we're not, and to the extent that we're able to really pour ourselves over in loving sacrifice and offer ourselves to God and His way, then He's not, a, he's not outdone with generosity. But nevertheless, that's where our lives are set. That's, that's what we long for more than anything, is to, to live for the God who loves us and to offer ourselves to Him in prayer, worship, and sacrifice. Now, the last one is, uh, it's, it's just trying to compromise. And it seems like that's what the world does best. So, so yeah, I know you're Catholic, but don't worry about being a good Catholic. You know, don't listen to the Pope, don't listen to the bishops, don't listen to the church teaching, the catechism, the Bible. Just do your own thing. Let's talk about your God and your religion and your truth. But that's not how God made things. We have a certain natural law that we live within. And as long as we're living according to the way that God made things, then our lives go well. And even if it doesn't mean that we'll never have problems in this life, obviously, it does mean that uh, the more that we are living in accordance with God's ways, then the better off we are. But that means also that we can't be compromising. We can't compromise what is true and what is good and also what is God's will. And so maybe as we begin this season of Lent, it might be a good reminder to all of us uh, to see the example of our God in Jesus to, uh, to really bring ourselves into focus and in what this life is all about and, and what we're really called to. And Lent is a good opportunity for that. As we give things up for the sake of our God and sacrifice for Him, let's try to place our lives and our hearts and our minds to the path that the Lord leads us. And as we do, we recognize that His ways are glorious and His ways are good. And to the extent that we're able to live according to that, the better off we are and those around us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week.